Welcome to another episode of the Zero Player Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick, also known as Sefer Madness, and I'm joined by my co-host, Justin, a.k.a. Bojang. For the second ever episode, Banger, we are joined by our good friend and co-founder of the Zero Player Gaming Group, Connor, a.k.a. Confetti. Uh, we're we're going to talk about Bioware and how disappointing they've been and how multiple video game launches are bad for PC games. All right, so we all know Bioware. Everybody knows Bioware. They used to be a smaller developer uh, until uh, everything for them just like completely blew up. Uh, people will may know them for Star Wars Knights of the Republic. They may know them for Dragon Age, the, the series. They may know them for Mass Effect. Um, some of the older listeners may know them for Baldur's Gate, uh, which is a good one. So I'm going to run through some of their games real quick. So like I said, Baldur's Gate, that was released in 1998 uh, for Windows and released in 2000 for Mac. Uh, the Baldur's Gate 2 came out in, oh wait, did that come out? Oh yeah, came out 2000 and 2001 for Mac. Then they had Neverwinter Nights, which that is something that I'm going to bring up a little bit more here in a second. Uh, then they did Star Wars Knights of the Republic in 2003 for Xbox and Windows. Uh, and then later on for everything. And now it's on mobile, which is fantastic. And then they had Jade Empire, which is a much, it's a much less known title that I personally really enjoyed. Uh, and then Mass Effect started. So with those, they have two sci-fi series going on, which really puts them, which puts them into a corner. And then you can tell that they, they really felt the hurt on that when uh, they released Dragon Age Origins in 2009, which started that series. Dragon Age 2, Star Wars The Old Republic, the MMO, Mass Effect 3. Well, Mass Effect 2 was a little bit earlier. Um, uh, then a couple of canceled games, Dragon Age Inquisition. Another canceled game, Mass Effect Andromeda, and then Anthem. And then they have an untitled Dragon Age video game supposed to come out later. What are you guys' experiences with Bioware? Uh, well, me personally, I kind of have a, a little bit of a unique experience because I know you, you listed off a big, a bunch of like huge titles like Dragon Age and uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic and stuff like that. Um, my first introduction to Bioware was actually uh, my oldest brother, my second oldest brother uh, was really into Baldur's Gate, like heavy. And I remember watching it and it, it just seemed like something very different. I mean, I know it was like 1998. I probably watched it like 2005 or something. It's a long time before like shooters kind of became super mainstream and like graphics were like a huge deal. Um, it was just unique to see. It was a bird's eye view style game for those who aren't familiar. And you have your party of, I never personally played it, but four or five people and uh, the game was all bird's eye view. If you've ever played Champions of Norath, extremely similar to Norath. Um, and I just remember watching that game for hours. There's just a ton of content, um, lots of replayability, uh, new new abilities you could unlock and stuff like that. That's kind of my experience, just knowing like a company that that old has been around for like that long just kind of blows your mind when you think of like Dragon Age and like more modern titles like that, uh, seeing like their roots almost. Uh, for me... It's definitely Kodar, uh, for sure. We've mentioned Kodar a little bit in the first episode. Really, to me, Bioware, outside of CD Projekt Red and Bethesda, they're really the masters of like the Western RPG, in my opinion. And that's kind of rooted in the whole D&D license that they kind of, you know, Kodar and Neverwinter Nights are both basically just playable D&D games. And so like when your roots are D&D, it's no wonder that you're going to make great RPG games. Right. And that was like, that is such a huge, that was a huge want for people who were playing D&D. Of course, the more hardcore fans were obviously going to stick to the board, but the more casual fans, like they couldn't wait to have something that was comparable to their imaginations as far as playing a video game. And they capitalized on that super hard. And that was so easy to tell when they had a, they, they had this massive cult following by 2003 after the after the two Baldur's Gates and Neverwinter Nights. And then and then they just put Star Wars into it. And now you just have this massive, massive audience it's it's just it's incredible how to how how it turns so quickly. Yeah, I I totally feel you on that. Um, actually, looking at the Wikipedia article for the history of Barware, there's kind of an interesting moment where you know their original publisher was Interplay. So anybody who's 60 years old like me will remember Interplay from the 90s, publishing like a lot of really great PC games. So Interplay goes bankrupt. Pretty soon after that, you have a weird company named Infogrames or Infogrames, sorry, that's renamed to Atari, and 
they bought the Dungeons and Dragons license. So after that, hap- or after uh, Atari bought the D and D license, that's when Bioware developed Star Wars: Sense of Republic and Jade Empire. So that kind of them losing the license for D and D games triggered like some of the best RPGs of all time to be made. It's just I just thought that was pretty cool, and then that's why you know later you got Mass Effect because it's like another RPG that. It's a unique license where they don't have to pay for a license from some other company. You said right. Atari bought the license to D&D? Uh, yeah, it just says um, Neverwinter Nights was originally to be published by Intraplay, but the company lost the license of the game to Atari and part of their Dungeons & Dragons license to Bioware. Hmm. Okay. And then it says that Bioware sold their D&D license to Atari as well. What oh, did they nice. do with it? Uh, Sorry, I know you've... I don't, Probably don't no, know. It's, it's, you're good. Kind of mind-boggling to me. Um, I don't know. Buying uh, into a franchise that huge. Yeah. No. I, we'll, we'll save that. We'll save that for another episode. That'll be that'll be a good one. D and D requires a little more research. Yeah, that requires more research for sure. Um, so we were just we were all three just fanboying over Bioware there for a second, but that's not what this first segment, this first uh, half of the episode is going to be about. This is going to be about the fall of Bioware. And <laughs> I have a theory. I have a theory that it all started with Neverwinter Nights. So I know people, people, if anybody's actually listening to this, they're going to, they're going to send me some hate mail. Um, But so when Neverwinter Nights was released, it was pretty widely accepted. After three years, they'd sold a million copies and it become, and this isn't a, this isn't a huge thing, but like uh, in, uh, after it was first released, uh, it was like, it was topping charts uh, on PC games, which wasn't very hard to do back then. Uh, And it, uh, became the 26th best-selling game since January of 2000, which it had been three years since then. So it's not it didn't there wasn't like two there wasn't a huge amount of games. But so I have this theory that it all started with Neverwinter Nights. It was widely accepted. They had this huge, massive audience now that was super, super excited to see D and D become a video game, uh, and they got a little ballsy with it. Um, later, we see them come. They we see them try to do this, uh, try to do the same sort of thing. We see it massively with star wars the old republic but we're going to save that for later um but really with warhammer online they really they try to push this they try to push the already existing game universe and turn a profit onto it they got a little ballsy with it and they did it again they did it and they were producing it they're developing it and then they, they canceled it in march 29th 2013 not even not even a year later they canceled command and conquer generals 2 which is obviously what they were already doing which they had already they had done the exact same thing now with Warhammer uh, and with uh, with Neverwinter Nights with the whole D and D with that D and D realm. So now they're taking another game universe and trying to push it and turn a profit. And granted, under this point, they're under the scope of EA, and EA is the developer was the developer of Command and Conquer. So obviously that there's there's some push there. But then that then that one also got canceled in October 29, thousand thirteen, and game cancellations are the first sign and a major red flag that a game developer is having is having issues and could be the signal could be the sign of a downfall. In two thousand fifteen, they had a AAA title named Shadow Realms that was supposed to release on PlayStation Four and Xbox One in two thousand two thousand seventeen was the was the proposed release date. Uh, it got canceled on February 9th, two thousand fifteen. Not even that far into development, uh, and then uh, Mass Effect Andromeda came out, which that was a dumpster fire, which we can talk about at a later date. And now we have Anthem, and that will come up very shortly here. Um, so, <laughs> what do you guys think about that? Th- Am I just being a conspiracy theorist? Or what do you guys think about that theory? Well, where just so I'm on the same page, where are you seeing the relation between Warhammer Online and Bioware? So they uh, just on the list of their Bioware games, they have uh, Warhammer Online: Wrath of Heroes, which was supposed to uh, which was supposed to be a free to play multiplayer online battle arena game. So they were kind of oh, like, okay. uh, they were kind of like uh, they were trying to pioneer something there. It looked like I think yeah, that's why I was confused because the Warhammer Online I know is Warhammer Online: Age of Reckoning which was also published by EA. So it's under the same umbrella. Um, right. That might've been why it was canceled was because it would have been uh, kind of, maybe they like had too many Warhammer like projects going. I'm not sure. It could have um, been, it could have been that EA is doing it. EA is doing it again, which we'll talk about that in a minute too. Um, but EA likes to compete with themselves. It seems like we've seen this. We've seen this a couple of times throughout their, uh, history that they do <laughs> they like to release yeah. competing games with themselves and see how well they do which that's 
that's not good. <laughs> that's just not a good business model. So um, you're saying basically like Neverwinter Nights, the success that came from that and like the scale of that game, like they just couldn't live up to after it was released or I think, I think it was more of EA saw it. EA per EA was able to become their parent company in 2007. Um, and I think that they were just like, Oh, well we could, we saw what they did in the dungeon and dragons universe. Let's see what they can do in these two other universes. And both those games were canceled. Not even not, never released, which is, and for two games to be canceled in one year, that's, that's horrible. And I don't know. I don't know how they're, I don't know that. I feel like that's where it all started as far as like the fall of Bioware. Yeah, absolutely. Especially cause uh, Neverwinter Nights, I feel like was it was a pretty successful game. Ninety four percent ratings on Metacritic and pretty high Steam ratings and stuff like that. For both sequels to be canceled like that, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of red flags there for sure. Yeah, um, they did. I mean, they really drug out the Neverwinter Nights, the actual game series. They pushed that into multiple things, and and then uh, Obsidian Entertainment helped them with the direct sequel, which is kind of cool to see them show up there. And with that, so some people might be like, oh, well, that was 2013. Like, what about Dragon Age Inquisition? Like, that was a that was a great game. Super fun. Yeah, that was that fantastic. But that was 2014. That was not even it released barely a year after these two games were canceled and development had already started on that. So like with these two, with EA, with Bioware being as big as they are and being in the umbrella under EA, they had obviously more than one um game developer teams like it was like bioware austin or bioware mythic however it is dragon age inquisition was great but it, it the cancellations like 100 overshadow that as when you when you go back and look at it you're like oh cancellation cancellation dragon age inquisition cancellation mass effect andromeda which was a dumpster fire like that's dragon age inquisition is completely overshadowed in that which sucks because that game was fantastic it really should have it should have kept bioware going they should have really pushed that and kept that it kept what they're good at, which is almost turn-based RPGs, which Dragon Age Inquisition wasn't turn-based, but they could have pushed that so much further and better and better and better and better. But now they have, by the time 2015 hits, they have three canceled games. They have three canceled games. And by 2017, they now have a a very, very, very ambitious sci-fi MMORPG that did not work for multiple reasons. And now we see it the exact same thing happened again with Anthem and it's, it's not good. Yeah. What, what do you guys, what do you guys think about that? I mean, does that, do I sound crazy? Do I sound like it's, it's just doesn't make any sense or what? No, I, I was going to say you, you pretty much hit the nail right on the head. Literally. I, I feel like if they had stuck to their roots and like you said, like hyped up dragon age a little more, that's what they're good at. They're good at that style, uh, turn by turn based RPGs and even more so kind of like a, more like a fantasy role playing genre, uh, going all the way back to Baldur's Gate, that's kind of been their thing. Um, and I feel like that's what the players have wanted, not these overambitious sci-fi fantasy titles that they can't live up to the hype of. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another aspect to remember when it comes to comparing like the the legacy of Bioware, and you're, you'll see this when you look at a lot of these companies, you know, there's, you could go from like 1995 to like 2005 and you have kind of like, all these like legendary game series got their starts there. And nowadays you're just like, what the hell's going on? Like these new games are just like awful in in comparison and have much bigger budgets. It's because a lot of these game developers have retired. You know, these guys that created these amazing games made enough money to where they're like, I'm done. I don't have to work anymore. And so they, they're retiring. Uh, they're out of the industry you have newbies jumping on board that grew up playing these games. And unfortunately the atmosphere is just not the same. There's a lot more management involved. You've got multi-million dollar corporations that are getting involved with the management compared to back then. It was like, you know, they kind of just let the developer do their thing. I think there's just as much as yes, Bioware is definitely dropping the ball these days. It's almost not the same Bioware that developed like, jade empire and star wars kodar that's a good point yeah um, that's a pretty that, cool take on it honestly because yeah. most people tend to they don't really think of who what the people who go into creating the game it more tends they tend to blame the industry like who's publishing it and all the hate goes to bioware when reality it's just these people who can't live up to the the people who have retired or quit or retired or whatever but also at the same time you can't put like 
it's hard to put it's hard to give them any slack on that because if they're losing these people now and they've created this giant company and now they're producing all these games if they're not gonna you know if they can't keep up with what if they can't keep up with what they were already doing and they're losing people that says that's almost says even worse things if if these guys that started bioware or have been high level developers in bioware for since you know 1998 or whatever if they're retiring because they don't want to do it anymore like that's not like nobody is making video games because they're trying to make money but a lot of these developers are making or most of these developers are making these video games because they like making video games it's kind of crazy to see all these guys leave from bioware because they've made their money they're done like that that puts a whole nother that puts a whole nother level on like on it it almost kind of feels like it almost kind of feels like activision now that's not a and that's not what you want to hear as a game developer i guess <laughs> it's true but i feel like a lot of these guys just get burned out like you look at like old musicians who are like rock stars in the the 70s and 80s and like no one wants to keep coming to these shows in like 2016 2017 2018 i, I think eventually the heart and the soul of it kind of just dies out like maybe some of these guys look back at like their glory days and realize like their heart isn't as into it now as it was. Um, that could be a lot of their decision for leaving. It could also be that the company's taking a different direction and they don't like where it's heading. And so they, they jump ship. But I mean, a lot of these guys could just be losing a passion for what they've been doing for so many years. It becomes more of a grind instead of like what they love doing. That puts a weird filter on it for me. I, I, I guess I'm too cynical for that. I, I just, I get, I get that it turns into a grind for some of these guys, but that's the whole point of, I guess that's supposed to be the whole point of the, of the publisher. Be like, give them the creative freedom that they deserve. Give them the creative freedom that they want to be able to make these. And obviously it's clear that EA is such a huge, has all these little fingers in all of their work with them trying to make command and conquer and try to make Warhammer, And then now they're trying to, now they're obviously trying to compete straight with Activision Bungie, well, not just Activision, well, actually, not just Bungie, with the Anthem, which looks like Destiny, which we'll talk about a little bit later, too. I have no sympathy for Bioware. I, I don't. I really don't. I think that they had a good formula there. They've totally destroyed their formula. They rewrote it, and now they're now they're in a terrible, terrible spot. I think um, we're kind of at ends. Just, I, I feel like... Not necessarily do I am I saying that Bioware is victimless, uh, but I definitely am one of the EA haters out there. And, you know, the people that founded Bioware, the, you know, these legendary developers after EA acquired their company, you know, one day they wake up and they're like, this isn't the same company that I started. And it's just you could we could have a whole episode on the evils of EA. And you just look at, like, you mentioned Command & Conquer. Look at Command & Conquer Generals. Like, you have Red Alert, you have the original Command & Conquer series, and there's nothing wrong with those series, and they went and created some weird off-brand Command & Conquer with, like, a modern warfare theme, something that nobody asked for. And was it a terrible game? No, it actually was, like, one of my favorite games to play growing up. But my point is, is that EA just acquires licenses and tries to apply like big business uh, methodology for making money to those licenses. So Bioware was just one of the many companies that EA swallowed up and turned into a money making machine. Yeah, and that's 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 pretty that's evident as you were as you were talking about with with the whole generals thing and obviously with the Warhammer thing and and with Anthem um, all right, let's transition this talk into Anthem. We're going to go into Anthem because that's what this episode's really about. So we have a list here of the bugs at launch. Now, some of these, since since the recording of this at uh, March 10th at about 8 p.m. Central Time, some of these might be fixed in some patch that we're, we didn't we missed or something like that. But these bugs are terrible. Like just the first one off the bat is game breaking for not just one platform, which that's that's horrific. So I'm going to start with the first one. And then just because I like it, I love I love this this bug. This is uh, I love how intense it is. It makes me so happy. OK, so the first bug, this is the first one on this list, bricking consoles. So basically these people are so these people spent $60 on this game or possibly more. They're trying to install it. They finally they get it installed because it's a massive install. They get into Anthem, and now these players' consoles won't turn off. And then Anthem just causes a crash. 
they can't turn their console off because it's complete it's stuck in a cpu run where it's just running the same thing over and over and over and it can't run anything else and then it just crashes their entire system crashes like that if any if something like that happened to one of my consoles or my pc i mean i immediately return the game i'm like, it's I don't embarrassing. Care what, it is. It's massively embarrassing. I'm not spending another second in the game. I'm not logging in. I'm not doing anything. I'm putting, if it's a disc, I'm taking it out, uninstalling the game, putting it back in there, returning it to wherever I got it. That's embarrassing. Massively embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Um, it as, as somebody who's like dabbled in computer science, it just makes me wonder how reckless are you with your code that you could go outside the bounds of of your little walled garden of your software cuz like games aren't given access to like the full availability of ram on the console like you know they're they're in this little protected area so they had to code something that would literally leak out and start gobbling up RAM and resources outside of its specified area in order to brick the console. And then at that point, it would have to like overwrite like protected sectors for the operating system on the console for it to not be able to boot up anymore. I mean, it's just insane. I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand how they were able to... <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. I'm, I'm overlook something like that. Like, yeah. Or like purposely put it in there. Like somebody at some point, and now maybe, maybe now, now I have a conspiracy theory about it, but at some point somebody had to have seen that and been like, Whoa, this isn't good. Like, did they not test this game at all? But now my thinking is somebody put this in there. Uh, they were like, Oh, Hey, we have this big issue. And EA is just like, get it out, get it out, get it out. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And now they've put all this stuff on top of this massive issue. And then they just released the game, hoping that it, it ravels, it's, uh, unravels itself and fixes itself, which is obviously not the way it should have been handled. And now we're seeing the backlash of it. And that's just the first one. That's the first bug on this list is bricking consoles. And it's not just one console. It's not just a PS4 issue. It's a PS4 and Xbox issue. Now you're now you're fucking with two fan bases. That's like wow. How do you manage that? That's two different games almost. How are how are you how is it messing this up that bad? I just don't understand it. I don't I don't get it at all. The next uh the next one is all this now this is a specific Xbox One bug. So some of the some of the some of the players are not being able to resume their profile on Anthem. So they get in there, they're playing around a little bit, then they suspend their game to go check on their Spotify or whatever. They're changing songs on Spotify. Uh, and then they can't get back into their game. And now they can't, uh, and now it won't reconnect. It won't resume the game later. And now they're having to, re- now they're having to uninstall and reinstall it. And uh, now their save file is corrupted. So now they have to create a whole new save file. That's a little crazy. Uh, that's, a, that's a crazy bug to me. Yeah, I mean... Um... I've encountered my fair share of bugs with games, and some of them have been pretty bad. But from what I've seen in the coverage of Anthem, uh, this is just, it's on a whole nother level. And you mentioned testing earlier. That's kind of the hallmark of a rush game and of a game where management doesn't give a crap if it's going to be good for the consumer or not, is when they don't do enough testing. Any, any good game that you've played in the past, I guarantee you the company spent a lot of money and time testing. Key, uh, key example, Apex Legends. They spent a while testing that game, looking for bugs, looking for gameplay issues, tweaking things to just make the gameplay better and smoother because they spent time testing it. Yeah, I think and- it's all a thing that has to do like, do you care more about gameplay or do you care more about marketing a product? And I think that's a lot of the problem that comes with these these modern games that they've got the deadlines, the deadlines set years in advance. They've got this huge just hype about the game. All these trailers constantly coming out. They've got a fan base long before the game ever comes out. They get people talking about it, tweeting about it, messaging about it. There's YouTube videos. There's hype, and then they can release these broken, buggy games. This just goes beyond though, like bricking consoles and just completely just game breaking games. Not being able to play your game after you leave and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I feel like they have the mindset where, yeah, we can just patch it out. It's no big deal. We'll just patch it out. And then, I don't know, maybe include some more DLC, throw some free content in there or something like that. And it'll all be good because all they care about is that people are playing the game. I feel like it becomes more of a gameplay versus cash grab sort of thing. 
Um, you mentioned Apex Legends. I feel like that game is more marketed towards the gamer and a game like Anthem is more, how can we sell this concept? Um, a sci-fi shooter, I mean, already that's a huge genre that thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are into. They know it'll sell. And I, th- I think that's just kind of what it boils down to is getting the game out as fast as possible, getting as many people hyped for it so that on release it explodes and then people start finding things about it that just make it unplayable. Right. And that even like, even then it becomes a, becomes an issue. Like obviously, obviously somebody had to have caught this now. Now it is a purposeful move to let the game go out anyways. And what you said about the marketing, this game wasn't even marketed. Well, I didn't hear, like I heard rumblings about it two years ago, like we do with every game now. And then I didn't hear anything about it until a month before it releases. And everybody was so skeptical about it. And then here it is. And everybody was completely right. And so here's what I was going to say earlier. It becomes, it becomes a point of like the game doesn't actually release on launch day. The game releases three months later when they've patched out enough to where the game's even playable. And that's, it's even worse at the fact that the game is now just playable after they've patched it like six times. The game should at least, at the very minimum, and I'm still going to complain about it and come on this podcast and completely whine and rip it um, when it's barely playable, but it should at least be playable when people are buying it, spending spending $65 after tax to get this game, and you can't even play it. You can't even, it, you can't even open it. Some of these guys can't even open the game. I think that what what we're seeing here is kind of the prime example of the modern AAA business model, which is build hype for your game two years before it comes out at E3 with a pre-release uh, trailer that's pre-rendered, you know, not really an example of gameplay. You build hype, you get the hype train going, you have teasers and you have people making YouTube videos speculating like crazy. Uh, Then you open up pre-orders, you get like 20,000, 30,000 pre-orders. So people paying $60 for something that they have no idea it's going to be good or not. The The game comes out, you know, people are buying it, playing it, whatever. It isn't until like a week after it comes out that you start seeing like, whoa, Anthem breaking consoles, like, whoa, Anthem full of bugs. Not, you know, not the game that people were expecting, but it doesn't matter. They've already made, you know, I don't know how much money from pre-orders and day one sales that they can go to their investors and be like, look, we we spent, you know, X amount of time and X amount of dollars and we made this this much. Okay, cool. When can we start working on Anthem 2? I think that's pretty much the bottom line is until gamers stop buying unfinished games early, the the con- the companies who make these games aren't going to stop. They, it's just like you said, as soon as as soon as they come out, they've already got people jumping all over it. They've got pre-orders, they've got all this this hype built up. They don't know what they're buying, they just know they're buying it. And until the consumer stops doing that, the companies see no reason to change. They've already made their money. They don't care if the product, I mean, yeah, they care a little bit for PR and they can they can pull some PR stunts to get around it. But the bottom line is that they have no reason to stop if this keeps working every single time. And then the problem comes up with, so, okay, let's say, let's say Anthem crashes hard. Uh, right now, it's not looking so hot with the bugs and everything. But let's just say it just completely crashes. Another company is going to come up and they're going to hype up another game and they're going to offer a pre-order and it's going to be the same exact problem. People are going to pre-order it. It's going to come out and then it's a thing where it's like, well, it's better than Anthem was and then it gets good ratings or it's just another broken piece of garbage and then the cycle continues. That's a good point. With You hit it on the nose with, this, with the cyclical nature of this. It, with how big this dumpster fire is with Anthem, just already off the bat the game hasn't even been the game is hasn't even been close to out for like three weeks and it's as soon as its life ends which let's face it if they don't it's 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 just kitschy right now it's got crazy good graphics it's got this movement system that we haven't seen before it's got this um it's got this plot line and like general umbrella that feels a lot like another game uh i won't mention it right now but uh we'll mention it a little bit once once this once anthem's time ends and albeit it's a bad time but once it ends you're right there's going to be another there's going to be another game there's going to be another game developer shark that or game developer publishing company that is just going to be nipping at the heels of uh, of the end of this giant monster and there's going to be like and their pr and we've already seen this the pr is like this game's going to be ready on day 1 
Why is this? Why is that a selling point now? That's a given. It needs to be ready on day one. If there needs to be patches, absolutely. We get it. The servers, the number of people playing it, you cannot replicate that. I completely understand. But it's not playable on day one. It's not ready on day one. Why is that a selling point ready on day one? That's complete and utter ridiculousness to me. I actually knew somebody uh, in real, in, in, I said in real life, gosh. Uh, I, knew, I knew a friend of a friend. In IRL. Yeah, right. Like, oh God. Um, who was hyped about Anthem. And he was kind of the perfect example of the market for this game because he was all excited about it. He's like pre-ordered it for his console and he was trying to recruit other people. I think that that's how this market works. He gets his friends excited about Anthem and they they champion how, oh dude, we can play it together. Like this will be badass. We'll all get it day one. We'll have our squad. We'll be jumping in and playing it. And I know that appeal. I went through that whole thing with Destiny 2, which might have been the game that Patrick was alluding to. And that's that's how this happens. That's how one pre-order becomes five, is one guy gets really hyped about a game. He's he's always he's the guy who's watching all the YouTube videos. And he came over to the apartment and tried to kind of recruit me into this hype train. And I just like very politely kind of shut it down. I was like, dude, I've seen this so many times with these AAA games. I've seen so many games come out and get massively overhyped. I just simply said, I'll wait until the game comes out and I see some reviews or some actual gameplay and then I'll make my decision. It's I'm not necessarily saying no. I'm just saying wait until the game comes out, get some actual reviews, some actual gameplay, and then have your opinion about the game. Now I can actually speak on a personal level about this. I don't know how it works on consoles or whatever, but um, when Anthem first came out, uh, there was actually a an early access key that you could get to play the game um, before it came out. And the way it worked is if someone pre-ordered the game, they would get a friend code and they could send that friend code to someone and they would get seven days of Anthem, the full game for seven days. And then it would boot you out and basically ask you to pay for the game. And my brother was all over it. Like this dude was hyping it up at work. He's talking about every single day. You've got to play Anthem's best game I've ever played, all this stuff, whatever. He bought it. Um, he pre-ordered it basically. And then, uh, so my brother got this friend code and then in him activating his friend code, he got another friend code. And like the only way you could, you could download the game early like this was to have this, this friend code. So I think that even adds another layer of like exclusivity to the game. It's like, you can't even play this game early unless you have this code. And he was telling me like he had to jump through hoops to get his friend to give him his code because his friend only got one code and all this stuff. And he sent me the code and literally I've never touched it because another thing he said was from the from the time you click play, whether you play the game or not, your code, the, the timer starts from seven days and starts counting down. So if I if I download this game and I hit play, let's say I get the, I get a download, it launches, I hit play and then, oh, shoot, I got to run, pick up groceries or pick up my sister from work or something. I exit the game. It doesn't matter. The game in the background is still counting down. So let's say I leave for three days and I'm not on my computer for a while. I come back. All of a sudden, my my seven-day code is only a four-day thing. Well, that kind of deterred me pretty heavy because it's like I, I have to make sure I have like seven full days to even try this game. And uh, he's just put like that's what you were saying. Like the people who are into it are just like basically free advertising for this game that I had zero interest in playing. And he even went out to like he went and found another code so that like one of my friends would play too and then we could all play together and just – I don't know. It just felt like a just another marketing tactic. Like, hey, look, there's this exclusive code that lets you play this game early and you should totally hop on it. I don't know. It just didn't really sit well with me. Let's take a break to uh, plug the stream in the YouTube channel real quick. You guys should check out our game streams. We had some technical issues uh, last week, but we should be back up and running by Monday. Uh, you can check me out every night uh, except for Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, I'm trying to get Connor finally uh, get him a web uh, webcam so he'll start streaming. And uh, He's got time this week, so if there's any sponsors out there who wants to sponsor, sponsor us, uh, send us money for a webcam so we can get a stream up and going. Uh, I play all kinds of stuff solo, and uh, we're going to start playing, uh, do some more interplay with a, a zero-player group. Uh, check out Suffer Madness on Twitch. Also, check out the YouTube channel, the Zero Player Gaming Group on YouTube. The first episode went up on there, um, and uh, sounds good, great, and everything like that. Um, I also have a first look at Tom Clancy's Division 2 through the open beta. I just have the... An, the little character creation that you can do, the opening scene, and then the beginning mission. I'll be editing another gameplay for this week. This one was just me running around doing missions, killing stuff. It's it's super fun. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, email us at zeroplayersgroup uh, at gmail.com. 
Now back to the show. All right. Now we're going to talk about um, video game launchers and about how they're not good for PC gaming. And we might all just be spoiled by Steam. And we'll cover that in a little bit. But um, I'm going to have we're going to talk about like the most the latest controversy um, on like what happened with with Metro. Um, And then we're going to get into how it's not good as far as like the nitty gritty details. So uh, with Metro, you know, it's kind of just a victim of the publisher control where the previous Metro games, you know, there wasn't really any controversy or issues with the gamer. But now with Epic trying to compete with Steam and all of the uh, momentum from Fortnite, they are trying to use Metro Exodus as another uh, heavy contender that they can put on their launcher. They can be like, okay, look, you know, you can use our launcher and you get to play Metro Exodus too, which really just pissed off their community. There's no need for that game to be on the Epic launcher. All the previous games are on Steam. And so that right there kind of created a... uh, a fissure in the community. Then on top of that, you got some other controversies with the developer. Uh, one of the main developers on the Metro team kind of um, maybe getting a little too big for his britches would be a way I would describe it. You know, really, it's just it's it's a little outside of the game launcher discussion, but it just kind of uh, follows suit with it in the sense that it's not good. Like this is not good for gamers and kind of just the metro thing highlights the negativity surrounding it okay so let's talk about the actual video game launchers so in a minute i want you guys to say what launchers you have and if justin if you got those if you have like weird japanese launchers feel free to put those (laughs) in there but nobody nobody's gonna know what you're talking about um so i personally have let's just get it to my desktop real quick so i have origin i have epic i have uplay and i have steam uh, those are the three that I have and Twitch, if you're going to count Twitch as a launcher, but it, it, not, not really. Um, but, uh, those are the three, la- those are the, f- I have four launchers on my PC and 99% of my games are on steam. I have four launchers and each one of those launchers has one game attached to it. And that's, that's just kind of ridiculous. So, okay. What launchers do you guys have? Okay. So I'm looking at steam, Epic, uh, Blizzard, you play, and origin so again five launchers uh probably about one or two games in each one and then steam carries like all of my games like my entire game library basically yeah um for me it's just blizzard steam and origin oh fancy you you're able to stay away yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i how have i not gotten you to get to get you play yet that's you lucked cool. out i I uninstalled oh, you play right that's after right. the beta. Props to <laughs> that's you. right. That's right. What was your username? You play sucks 2013. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> does that mean that username's on the market now, or how does that work? No, it's still yeah. there. No, I mean, it's trying to get it. It's still there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be you play sucks xxxxx. That's me. <laughs> that's my new username. Mismatched um, capitals and lowercase letters. Yeah, we're going back. To, we're going back to Xbox 360 Halo three days. I'm XX crazy hail player XX. Okay. All right. So uh, performance issues. Oh, wait, actually, wait, wait, before we get there in game overlays. So this is something I just wanted to bring up just because I think it's kind of weird. So each one of these launchers, they're all, they've all copyrighted their own shortcuts, their own hotkeys inside of it, which is bizarre. That's, that's a, that's a big tell that all these are, all these launchers are specifically competing with each other, which is terrible. First of all, it's a terrible idea. Second of all, it's a bad business model. You do not want to be competing with the heavy hitters in Steam and unfortunately now Epic. But so the in-game overlays. So Steam is Shift Tab to get to the in-game overlay. Origin is Shift F1. You play is Shift F2. Now, I didn't look at Epic because I don't like Epic, so I don't know what their in-game overlay is even if if they even have one. But yeah, I just think it's weird that they've all like copyrighted or um made their made all their little buttons and all their little hotkeys exclusive i that that's a huge tell for me that this is this is damaging to the pc world and that's such a surface level issue but it's such a huge it's such a huge deal to me i think to clarify a little bit what he's talking about in case you guys uh so basically what happens is you download these launchers on pc you get your game library through the store the the launcher has like a a built-in store 
you buy the game, you download the game. And then while you're in game, there's a set of hotkeys that you can press on your keyboard that will bring up like an overlay to where you can access the internet, see your friends list, uh, et cetera. I don't really know what else you can do besides access. There's probably a whole list of things that no one uses or cares about. It's like um, messages. You can get like, yeah. they have like the in-game items in there as well. Like I know Origin, you can actually go to the Origin store in, in the in-game overlay to buy like in-game items and stuff. It's like a pretty extensive list. I feel like Steam, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this, but I feel like Steam was kind of the pioneer with this. Uh, the in-game uh, launcher or what is it? In-game overlay thing. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and so it's it's kind of become almost second nature to me to shift tab in the middle of the game. Um, it's kind of like alt tabbing. Except you don't like if you need to look something up online really quick, but you don't have to boot out of the game. It literally just it pulls up in front of the game, so you don't have to like pause or leave game or worry about it crashing by leaving it. Um, so I've kind of, it's become second nature for me to shift tab in the middle of the game. All of a sudden, uh, so Apex is big right now. So of course, I mean I had Origin before, unfortunately, for a few other games that were just free to play for a while, and uh, I'd never even bothered touching their overlay. I never needed it before, but. In the middle of Apex, I've been playing around and I'd shift tab and nothing would happen. And I'd realize, oh, yeah, it turns out it's shift F1 on origin. Okay, fine. It's just a little learning curve. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, the Division 2 early access comes out. Uh, So I got to get another launcher. That's Uplay. And there's a shift F2. So it's literally adding a new learning curve for these companies that are, I don't know if they're hoping to be as big as Steam or what exactly they're hoping to benefit by creating these separate launchers for their games. But it's just something that adds just a level of confusion that's just not necessary. So I'm shift F1-ing in some some launchers, then I'm shift F2-ing, then shift tabbing. And I, I get it, it is kind of a minimal thing if you're not really even taking advantage of the the overlay in game. But it's, it's just weird how they have it's come to the point where they've they've tried to differentiate themselves so much from other launchers when really they're basically all the same thing, but even to the point where they're changing their little hotkeys so that, oh yeah, you know this one's origin because you're shift F1 and you're not shift tabbing, just to kind of make that distinction, I think is something really interesting. Uh, I wanted to add that, um, like you said, you can like look up something in a game um, like Steam, really, they literally just use Chrome. If you look at the code behind it, uh, they just run like a little segmented Chrome uh, app inside the Steam overlay. And I think that that feature, you know, ironically would have been more useful like 10 years ago when all tabbing out of games usually would crash the game or not work very well. But now these days you're running borderless windowed mode. So like all tabbing out of a game to look something up is not a big deal. And there's uh a lot of games are integrated with the overlay. Uh, I know that with Steam, the overlay is directly integrated with like Steam Workshop. So if you're playing a game and you click like the Browse the Workshop button, it's going to use the Steam overlay to pull up the workshop. And if you're someone like me that's disabled the overlay in every game that they own, it's the button does nothing. It just like you click it and nothing happens. So it's it's not the best system uh, for gamers who don't like an overlay. That's a good point, and that makes and that really pushes gamers to. I don't like the pushing to choose thing. Now I've tried to get I've tried to get some of these guys to play different games. Like we all got together to play Division or whatever, and like I had to I had to actually like come up with an argument on why to download origin or why to download you play to play these games and like that's that's so stupid that's like that's beyond ridiculous to have to have a gamer argue with another gamer to just install the launcher to play the game with the first gamer like that's that's insane that's complete insanity to me and then another issue is with updates so let's say my apex is fully updated everything's up to date it's all good whatever but my origin isn't it doesn't matter because I can't play the game without the launcher. So if my origin's not up to date, I can't play my updated game. I got to wait. Yeah. I know for me, I haven't had a lot of issues with Steam and I've been pretty satisfied with it. But it, at the end of the day, I still disable the Steam overlay uh, and every, like across the board. I don't, I like Steam as a, as a platform. I've kind of grown with it. So it kind of gets the exception, but certainly uh origin never gets booted up for damn near anything i guess battle.net is kind of starting to become like steam but that's really only because blizzard forced me into using it for diablo world of warcraft uh, overwatch i mean if i could avoid using it i would 
feel like Steam is kind of the one that gets the past most times just because I feel like it kind of started the whole the whole launcher, the idea to where you could have all your games in one organized library. And by creating all of these other launchers through other companies, that that idea is kind of lost. Instead of having all your games in one spot like Steam was trying to accomplish, now these other game companies are trying to do the exact same thing. And the point is being lost. I still have to launch a separate launcher to launch my game through four other different programs instead of just opening up my Steam and there's all my games right there. Absolutely. And it's almost just uncalled for. Like we've all been, and of course, like all these game publishers and these, all these developers, they're just, they're just greedy assholes who just want all this money. And I get that uh, to an extent, but like when has any of these gamers, when have we ever complained? Oh man, I really wish, man, I'll tell you what, I really wish all my EA games were in a separate library from steam. God, man, I wish I just had to boot up a whole nother program to be able to get to all of them. Uh, I wish Madden, I wish I could open Madden in a separate one. Nobody's nobody said that. I wish I I wish that I could just open Steam, boom, there's Madden and be done with it. Then I don't have a problem. But now I have to, oh, what's this game? Who's the, who's the publisher for this game? Oh, it's Epic. Okay, fuck. Let me go let me go to the Epic store. What's this one? Uh it's oh, it's Ubisoft. Okay, and I have to now I have to open Ubisoft to play Assassin's Creed. Like that's it's it's ridiculous and I don't like it and it's harmful and maybe it's not too harmful. This is me now playing devil's advocate. Maybe it's not too harmful just because all the like this is the attitude towards these video game launchers. It's, it's just ridiculous. And I feel like most people feel this way. Now, I'm sure there are some of those crazy people out there who are like, no, we need separate launchers because of this, this and this and this. But as you can see right there, I can't think of any reasons why that, that that's a good thing. But maybe it's not maybe it's not too damaging to PC games just because of the fact that gamers feel the same way and i don't know what could be done to fix this issue now that now that it is an issue now with just battle Donut and steam it's not a huge issue if these if these companies want to provide their game on steam and on their own uh, personal launcher maybe that's maybe that's something maybe people that really don't like valve maybe people really don't want to use steam and i guess i get that steam updates a lot and it's kind of annoying when the notification pops up but maybe that's enough to drive somebody away maybe now at that point somebody's exclusively using origin to be able to access the games that they enjoy playing or maybe you know whatever however people play call of duty on on pc i don't even know is there an activision launcher or i I don't even know um at that point i think it's just it's just too much and i think all the other gamers realize that which is kind of why maybe it's not super damaging but also maybe not. Maybe it is super damaging. Like we're going to talk about here in a minute, the segmented markets, everybody being in it for this, for this, and this, and this, like that's not good. You do not want to, you do not want to separate these people into separate fan bases. Look at consoles. It's not good. People specifically by the, the war of consoles is it's, it's bad. Now for somebody who grew up in a multi-console, I grew up with both platforms. I grew up with PlayStation and, and Xbox. And those are the two heavy hitters. I grew up with an, with several different Nintendo products as well. But with those two, it gets to the point, like you have exclusives on both consoles, which is cool. Like I like the, the, I like the exclusivity sort of, of it. I, I just like that when an exclusive comes out, you almost always know that that's going to be a good game because whoever is whoever is pioneering that they make it specifically for this and now they're on this big stage so they make they make decent games anyways pc games there's a reason why gaming on pc is better it it's it's almost just fact at this point yeah it's, i know i still phrase that as opinion but it's so much easier the community is so much more available in the and accessible to be able to play all these different games and on consoles it's just not like that i I didn't get to play Last of Us forever because I was playing on Xbox. I had a play, I had a PlayStation, sure, but I, I mained Xbox, so I didn't get to play Last of Us forever. Then I got to play Last of Us, and then all I wanted to do was play more Last of Us. Like that that was the beauty of PC gaming is that we were all we were all able to play everything all within one platform. And for the most part, you still can, but with the launchers, they're now rehashing that in a cycle, and now they're making they're serving it up on a PC platter being like okay here you can only play this here you can play this here you can play this here and that is the damaging part i believe is and like i said earlier maybe it's not too damaging but i think it is i think it really gets to the point where it gets a little scary as far as where we're going as it's almost like pc gamers segmenting a segment like okay so you have you have the playstation player base you have the xbox player base and you have the pc player base that's fine 
But what happens when it becomes the PlayStation player base, the Xbox player base, the Uplay player base, the Origin player base, the Steam player base, the Blizzard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? You're segmenting an already segmented market. PC gamers choose PC because they want to play with each other. And that possibility becomes limited when people are arguing over which launcher is better, which ones they don't want to download. Maybe they don't have space for five or ten different launchers. Maybe they just like keeping their one thing. So they don't try other games because they're locked into, well, Steam's the greatest or Origins is the greatest. And I feel like in that sense, it is pretty damaging because I know it took me, it took a while for uh, for Patrick to convince me, hey, you should really download The Division 2 just because I just was so against getting another launcher. I didn't feel like downloading Uplay. I just, I, it took me probably a good two or three days before I finally said, okay, fine, people are playing it. I'll try it out. One thing I do want to say that we need to dif- differentiate between the launchers. And I'm, it, this might be obvious to some people, but it's worth stating. Steam is on a whole nother level. It cannot be compared to Origin, to Uplay, to Battle.net, or uh, whatever else is out there. And that's because Valve did not just want to create a, a launcher where you could buy their games. They set out to... Uh, I mean, it, it did start small. Don't get me wrong. It it started small, and but Valve poured resources into it to turn Steam into uh, a marketplace for gamers to make money. So, you know, like the Steam item marketplace, like, holy shit, that's like a whole topic in its own. Uh, the Steam Workshop. So now all these games out there have built-in mod support that benefits the consumer. It adds value to the consumer for these games. To where now you're getting more money and more gameplay out of your games, really. And that's all because of Valve and the Steam launcher. You don't get that value from Origin or from Uplay or from Battle.net. They just wanted to create something that acts as DRM and that lets you buy their games from a launcher. Like, so Valve is just like, they're on a, I mean, yes, this is like a Valve circle, circle jerk or whatever. I'm a Valve fanboy, whatever. But they're just on a whole nother level than any other company and it shouldn't even be really compared there's yeah there's a there's a reason why i haven't brought up steam a whole lot is because they're the exception and there's no there's absolutely no comparison from steam to any of these other launchers it's 100% steam all the way if we're going to do launchers now that's another argument maybe we don't do launchers maybe everybody buys it installs the game and the game boots up maybe that's it and maybe now maybe now we just have uh, video game bazaars, kind of like how we did it, where we just open up another program, like Discord. We just all use Discord. We all get in Discord. We all meet on there. We all launch our games and go in differently from there. But as it is, I have to now juggle like 19 different friends lists to be able to know, oh, do I have them on this friends list? Do I have them on this friends list? If we're going to do launchers, it needs to be Steam. It needs to be in the image of Steam or Steam itself. We cannot have these multiple launchers. It, it just causes too much inconvenience, which as we've seen in this generation, in the society inconvenience is death. Inconvenience is not going to work. And that's why it, it's, that's why it's good. It could possibly be damaging as well as all the other reasons that we've listed here. Now I'm not a launcher hater. I am a launchers plural hater. I don't like multiple launchers, but one launcher I'm totally okay with. I think that there's, I think there's a lot of benefits to having the single launcher to having all of your stuff in one spot, having this beautiful organized library, having this massive friends list, having mods literally built into this launcher to where you can go and download. And of course, installing them is a whole different story, but it's all there. It's all in one spot and it's beautiful. And of course, none of these launchers will ever touch that. And that puts me a little bit at ease just because I, I know that at the end of the day, PC games has been known for this forever. At the end of the day, they go towards a better product, which is good. But as we see with Fortnite, maybe that maybe that's changing. Maybe people aren't going to the best product. Maybe people are just going to what's what's cool and what's what's the new kitschy thing going on. And that's that's a little scary. Like playing consoles growing up, I always knew that whatever people were playing on PC is what is what the good games were going to be. If people weren't, if people were playing it on consoles and not on PC, I didn't really feel interested in playing whatever everybody else was playing. But PC has always been the security blanket there. They've always been like, oh, all the PC players are doing this. This is the new technology going into this. Games are being built specifically for PC, and now they're not, but they used to be. And it was it was good. It, we 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 had a good thing going. And now with the launchers, now we're throwing a wrench in all that. And I and 
maybe this kind of sounds like weird, kind of like an old fart of me, like, oh, the old times were better. But um, I think they were. <laughs> I think this multiple launcher thing, I think this is damaging to the entire market, um, if not uh, just the games, it's just the games themselves being, you know, having issues. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. It's, I don't think it's necessarily something that's going to damage the PC gaming marketplace uh, permanently. I think we're just going through like a phase right now. You know, Battle.net's not going to go away, but that's because Battle.net has technically existed for like 20 years. So it's like they can kind of get away with that. Steam's going to just get better and better. Uh, I think Origin, you know, they're they're going to just increase their value. I, Origin doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Um, but people like Epic and Uplay, I don't see those surviving. I think that eventually their markets are going to collapse. They don't have the game library to compete with EA and Steam. And eventually they're going to collapse and just collaborate with uh, Valve or uh, EA and have their games on those launchers. I agree. I feel like it's, I don't like the direction it's going, but I don't feel like this is like a game breaker for PC gaming as a whole. It's just something kind of obnoxious that we have to deal with until these knockoff companies eventually crash and burn. I mean, you're going to have the same two or three giants who kind of pioneer the whole thing. Of course, Steam being at the forefront the entire time uh, and then the other two falling behind. But for now, I think it's just something we're going to have to just work around, not enjoy it, but it's kind of what we're stuck with right now. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe I'm just a little angry because when you escape consoles, the cyclical nature of consoles and i'm not a console hater believe me i still have a ps4 i don't have an xbox anymore for different reasons but i still have a ps4 and there's a lot of games that i'm still going to play on ps4 just because i think they feel better with the controller than they do with the keyboard and mouse but when you escape the when you escape the cycle of consoles where it's just like oh man xbox is getting that title oh playstation gets all this stuff early like oh when you finally escape all of that and then you come right into it on pc like the supposed (laughs) whatever you call it, Valhalla of gaming. Like you finally escape, you make it here. And then now here it is all over again. And that's, that's rough to, that's rough to handle. And I wanted to bring up another thing. So Metro getting put onto the Epic store, the Epic store is not available in China. That excludes the majority of the population of the world. The majority of the population of earth does not have access to Epic store. And of course, like not everybody in, not everybody in China is playing video games. I know that, but if you just use that same percentage, maybe the majority of people playing video games are in China, which I doubt that's true either. But that being the case, there's a huge, huge, huge number of people that don't have access to the Epic Store and now don't have access to uh, Fortnite or or uh, uh, or Metro, and that's that's terrible. Why does why did the developer agree to that? Be like, oh well, you know. All those, that giant country over there, that we don't have to worry about that. Nah, don't worry about them. They'll be fine. Well, we're just going to focus on these people here. We're going to focus on the people playing Fortnite. That's terrible. That's such a bad idea. I don't know why. I don't even know why they would accept that. So that brings me to my next question. And I'm just going to ask you guys, has Steam spoiled us? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily use the word spoil. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe I'm an entitled gamer. I just feel like the consumer has all the power. It's not that we have to bend to what these corporations want. It's that we have the buying power. They're the ones that need to convince us to use their platform. So, like I said, Valve has gone above and beyond to create value for the consumer, to create value for the developer. They have uh, strived to get people of all different markets developing um, gamers to move to their platform. I don't see the same from these other companies. So if they're butthurt that we don't want to use their launcher, it's because they've got over a decade of development to catch up to. I just say Steam did it first and Steam did it best. So I really see no need for separate launchers. Um, I could, yeah, I could advocate that I am a Steam fanboy, but just because they were first in getting all my games in one spot. It used to be Steam was the spot where you could find all of it. I don't think it's necessarily spoiled as much as just it's I feel like one launcher is necessary and all these follow-ups are just not. And 
I'm just going to be a grumpy old man about it. <laughs> the more launches that come out, the more I'm going to hate each one of them and they're going to keep coming out. But I feel like just having one that does it best is all I really want, but it's not necessarily what I'm going to get. Yeah, for sure. All right. That's going to wrap it up for episode two of the zero player podcast. Check us out on Twitch, suffer madness, confetti. If I can finally get him a webcam sponsors, send us a webcam <laughs> or send us or send us money for a webcam. Connor says he's trying. Um, 480p. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to stream in terrible quality. We're just going <laughs> to, maybe I'll just get him a camcorder and we'll just do it like that way. We'll just get a VHS camcorder and we'll just, uh, we'll do We'll hook something up. Justin, get on that. Get on how we can stream with the VHS old game boy game gear. Or <laughs> Jerry rig your phone into a uh, webcam. And I could like totally that. do it. I could find a way. I just have we'll figure it out. Way. We'll figure it out. Uh, anyways, all right, yeah, check us out on that. Check out the Zero Player Gaming Group on YouTube. We're gonna have more videos going up soon. Um, I know Justin's got some ideas for videos. We're gonna try to put all of our stuff onto one um, platform. I think. I think uh, um, we're just gonna all feed all of our gaming, all of our stream highlights and stuff that are that are coming. I promise. Um, all that stuff is uh, just gonna get fed into that channel. So if you guys want more from us, check out the YouTube channel. Uh, anyways, we'll see you guys next week.